Aussie music is something to be proud of. Wear it like a badge. Because it's Australian bands and artists that are the influencers of so many other musicians the world over. So at Triple M, we're proud to be able to showcase the power of the Aussie music scene. Paying both homage to the greats that have stood the test of time, right alongside the current, the emerging, the future influencers. The ones that will be next to make their mark on the global music scene. If it's Aussie and it rocks, it's right here. This is Triple M's Homegrown with Matty O. Yes, right around the country on the Triple M Network. It is a big show today. It is a celebration because we toast 25 years to an incredible debut album out of Melbourne, recorded at Sing Sing. It's hosted some of the world's biggest bands, propelled them onto the national stage, and this just leads an incredible career, not only in Australia, but right around the world. We've got fan clubs everywhere, sold-out shows, singles, an incredible legacy as we celebrate uh, the one and only... So many hits on this album. They hold up today just like they did when they were released. We know the words to all these songs. And of course, how can we forget? celebrate 25 years of an incredible debut album and we welcome the lads from Living In. Again, guys, welcome to Triple Thank M's Homegrown. It's so good to Thank see you. you. Wow, my almighty, what an introduction. <laughs> You're more than welcome. No, uh, no one does introductions like Triple M. There you go. There's a quote. For, 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 I'll tell you something. From, from Mildura to Mannheim, yes, we've done, going, we going. have done interviews yes. and nobody does an introduction. I feel like it's either my 21st or it's a wake or something. You guys. know what I mean? It's like our life flashes before our eyes. Nice to be well, here. after it is a silver jubilee. Yeah, <laughs> sure is. Well, thanks for coming in. That's all we need from you. Yep. All right. <laughs> Off we'll the sound check. See you in the next 25. Hey, what's it like revisiting an album like this that was recorded, you know, 25 years ago and, you know, kind of going through the songs and listening to it from start to finish? What comes to mind? Is it the writing of the songs? Is it rehearsing them? Is it recording at Sing Sing? Is it playing it live? Like, take us back to the start. Uh, I, I never I never listened to the record. I, I, ne- I, I try and avoid hearing the songs if I can, but I'll tell you what. Hearing that, then it's like I'm sitting there going, "Yeah, they sound good. They man. do. Don't they, they sound good." And I and I, it, it transports me back to when we were writing this record, when we were like 22, 23. That's what we wanted to do was to have music that sounded like that, have choruses that did what those ones do, and have that energy. This was like a pipe dream for us when we were. I keep saying kids, but I feel like we were. Scott and I were like 14, 15 when we first started playing music, and of we course. we had the idea then for this band. Yeah. Of course, it didn't come to fruition until we were in our early 20s. We'd been playing music a long time. But hearing it then, it's like, we did it, man. We did what we Absolutely. said we were going to do. We, we invented this band that uh, we're so lucky to still be here doing it. And, and other people got it. You know, they yeah, understood it. Yeah, That's yeah. really special. Talking to, how, did you, how did you guys meet? Take us back to the start. First impressions of each other. So we, I moved to a suburb in Melbourne called Wheelers Hill out in the southeastern yep. suburbs. Yep. And um, our, Chris and I both have older sisters that are the same age. And they started, my sister started at Chris's sister's high school. And so they, they would get 
their families and stuff together for barbecues and yeah. swims yeah. in the pool on the yeah. weekend and things like this. So Chris and I were like the li- the two little the two annoying little brothers, I suppose you would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we met through those kind of family gatherings. We'd go down, you know, on Saturday more Saturday afternoons. We'd go down to the primary school and ride our skateboards and cool. climb around on the roof looking for tennis balls. And <laughs> we did. Stuff Which like, you still do today. Stuff like that. And then we ended up at the same high school together. Nice. Still just kind of riding skateboards and hanging out together until we until we bonded over a, a mutual love for making music. Absolutely. So tell me, when did you guys start listening to music together and going, hey, why don't we try writing a song? Like, had you guys been writing songs individually before you guys did it collectively? No. no. I mean, That's I reckon cool. it was year nine, I think, that we, we sort of stopped. We, we were still riding skateboards, but we, we you know, you were playing piano and I was playing guitar. Nice. I think we had a couple of little jams at your house with you on the piano and yeah. before you picked up the bass. Uh, and really, we were just learning to play. Like we weren't, the idea of writing songs at that point was a long way off. It was literally just trying to probably yeah. sing through a few Everly Brothers tunes. And we were nice, into the nice. we were into the 50s thing as well as like, you know, you were listening to the oils and chisel and because you're your older brother and I, mm-hmm. I was into sort of top 40 stuff. But the 50s thing was kind of, you know, we were kind of drawn to that. That was like yeah, this sort I of like mysterious kind of cool thing. And then when we, we, we started getting into those records and so it was about year 10, I reckon, that we started to play at school with, with a drummer there. Nice. That was the first sort of incarnation of the three piece. So cool. And so what was it like when you first started playing gigs around Melbourne? Like, obviously, can you describe what the scene was like then? Well, I, I went out and bought a double bass because we wanted to sort of mimic the rockabilly sounds that we were listening to from the 1950s. And then when we discovered the Stray Cats, that that just kind of really pointed the nose of the ship in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For us, that, yeah. just, that just really got us going. So, you know, initially it was just a buzz to be able to attempt to recreate the sounds that we heard on those records. It was like, wow, we can actually do this. You know, you play that chord, you play that guitar lick, yeah. I'll play this bass line, the drummer plays this beat, and you, lo and behold, it kind of sounds like it's in the ballpark <laughs> yeah, of what totally. we hear on records. Yeah. And that was an amazing feeling. So to be able to get out there in pubs and stuff, and we, and we discovered a scene in Melbourne, a rockabilly scene that, that shared the same love of music and, and style from the 1950s. So we yeah. did have a bit, of a, a bit of a scene to sort of lean into. So that was wonderful. It was kind yeah. of thriving back in those days. There was always a few gigs on per week that were just kind of dedicated to the Melbourne rockabilly nice, scene and nice. yeah, a lot of great bands and familiar faces. So how long had you been gigging around Melbourne and stuff before you jumped into the studio at Sing Sing with Lindsay Gravina, who, who produced this first album? Like, How long had you guys been playing for? Well, it was, shows around town? Uh, uh, it was seven years. I yeah. mean, I remember I remember 91 at the Richmond Club Hotel in September, I think it was our first show. Um, and so we'd been playing probably only a couple of months before that, really doing a few Battle of the Bands and stuff out. Like you do. Where we yeah. grew up. Couple um, of 21sts. Couple oh, of 21sts. You got it. It's all part of it. And so, and then the record came out in uh, October 12, 98. Yes. So by that point, yeah, seven years we had already been playing as kind of a covers band, as a as a party band, uh, doing Battle of the Band sorts of things, playing covers, then starting to learn how to write our own songs. We put out a couple of EPs. So I feel like we were almost like seasoned veterans oh. then. We'd already done hundreds of shows yeah. and packed the Kingswood more times than I care to remember. So by the time we kind of, by the time the album came out and it became successful, people would come to our gigs and go, man, they're really good live. It's like, yeah, because we've been playing together for longer than most bands' careers already at that point. I'm glad you mentioned the EPs because, yeah, that's what, when the first kind of double A single came out, you want to go back and listen to whatever else this band has. And when I remember I had the Discman on the school bus and it's like, oh, this is the Hellbound EP. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is, it's for your own good. Mm. And like, yeah, listening to songs like From Here On In and learning that they already existed 
did before <laughs> yeah, yeah, you heard yeah, this yeah. stuff. Like, yeah, and that's your that's your growth. And those songs are amazing in itself. I and mean, when you put them into sets, it's like, yes, I know this one from the mid nineties. Yes, how good's that? <laughs> yeah. But those EPs, yeah, were important as well. They like, were. They were. They I mean, I think Hellbound probably started off as wasn't the first recording we did, but I was probably I don't remember whether it was a demo or not, but I know that the uh, the recordings we did before that we would go into a studio we'd get enough money from playing shows. It wasn't a lot of money, but we would go in and record the new songs that we had written. And then I think when we got to Hellbound, we went in to record these nine or ten songs. I don't reckon we had a deal. I think it was like yeah. we, we recorded them and, th- and then thought, well, what do we do with them? And then we got approached by uh, MDS, actually. A guy saw us at a gig and said, do you have any music out? And I said, no, we don't, but we have just done a recording. Ooh. So that was the first kind of foray into that and uh, didn't really do much. And then it was uh, It's For Your Own Good that we started to then get on recovery TV show yeah. and, and stuff from here on in kind of, yeah, sort of took off a little bit. We get a, a lot of young musicians to list, that listen to this show. And I think sometimes like in this day and age, you want everything to happen right now and fast mm. and quick. But like, how important is it to have that seven years before you actually oh, make it? Like it's like, it's it essential, just, right? You need it to do it. just made me think of a thing. Like there was a long time where we were asking people if we could play. And then finally, when st- people started asking us to play, it was kind of, Absolutely. It, it sort of made all the hard work yeah. worthwhile. But we were, th- you know, it, it bears mentioning that this was back in the day when Chris and I'd be out on weeknights. We'd go to venues around around the city with with a stack of flyers, putting them in car Love it. windscreens yeah, and yeah, sticking yeah. them up on poles yeah. at biggie busy in- intersections. And we were the ones calling the venues and saying, "Have you Love got it. anything for us this week or next yeah. week? Have you got us? You know, we'll support a band on a Tuesday or Wednesday night. We don't care where or when. Yeah. Have you got anything for us?" And we were hustle, 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 hustle. Yeah, absolutely, back in those days. So we, yeah, well, you can tell me important. When, absolutely, and you all that hard work you can hear it in these recordings man i mean like it's just this is a band firing on all cylinders you know so you put the album down and you've got your collection of songs what's the process from there what was just like it's prisoner of society is is it you heard it you're like oh my god this is we've got something here (laughs) no (laughs) no because it it came out on the ep before the record yeah 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 before the album and it was song two so you know it wasn't we weren't thinking oh that's the one yeah yeah yeah. it was just uh i think we thought second solution was was catchier was better so you put that as the first track yeah um i can totally see it now because because prisoner is just so dumb, you know. It's so it's so keep it simple, stupid. You know, yeah. it's 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 a no brainer. Yeah. Back then, I don't think we thought too much too much about it. But um, you know, we 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 definitely had no idea at that point that when the record came out that it would explode like it yeah. like it did. We, we you know we knew that that EP had been very successful. Yeah. Um, I think we'd been nominated for an ARIA or something that year. So it was like oh, okay, everyone knows who the band is now. Yeah. But we we have to back that up yes. with with yeah. the album with the the full length record which for us was important but it was i don't think it was a big deal because we were fans of records we weren't just a, a fan of yeah. the song by a band or a single or a radio hit you had to be able to you want those you know for lack of a better term deep cuts you know there's we've all got favorite records yeah. we're like i actually like track four you know mm-hmm. not necessarily the three singles i like the the last track on the record so that's why it was really important for us to have 14 yeah killer tunes absolutely so how did life change for you after after this album came out we got busy well we were already pretty 
pretty busy, but yeah, we just toured and toured and toured and toured. And when we weren't playing shows, we were rehearsing. And if we weren't doing either of those two things, we were out there doing press. Yeah. We just, we were just at it for years and years and years. We did like a cycle of where we'd, where we'd record and tour and record and tour. And yeah, it was, it was hectic. I I remember like, we didn't change as people, but I think from outside you start to get um, seen differently. Like you'd have people come over to the house, like I was still living at home with my mum and dad and you know they'd have friends over or something and rather than just go oh hello Christopher how are you you know they'd all be like oh I've seen you on the TV and the band's (laughs) doing really well and where are you off to next all of a sudden I was like oh okay I'm now that guy and we've been those people in this band since that first record came yeah, before that yeah. we, we were just kind of we were just mere mortals no 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 but <laughs> but, but, but we, we were just kind of like there was a more nor- normality to it after that it's sort of I guess it's that stupid sort of fame thing because we started to be on the telly all the time course, and yeah, the record yeah. had so much success that that's the first thing people would say then it was like oh okay so it's really kind of happening yeah I guess it's weird isn't it it must be special to have an album like that out and you know you meet people throughout the years and go hey this album was so special me because you know I met my wife at your gig or you know it got me through a really hard time how special is it for you guys to have something like that where you're like this means a lot to a lot of people oh yeah I mean it's it, the greatest thing is when people say this record got me through high school got me through yeah. really difficult times you know yeah. and that's incredible because maybe they would have found a different record if ours didn't exist you know <laughs> yeah. to get them through who yeah. knows but but I, I get it I know what it's like to sort of feel like you know you don't fit in somewhere and you're a bit of an outsider because that's what we were you know everyone else was playing like nirvana or aussie crawl or that we were getting up there playing that'll be the day by buddy holly and the cricket so we know what it's like to not fit in so the fact that people found you know the kind of the the unusual types in this world the most creative interesting people the ones that have a hard time at school loved the living end because you know we became their band and i I love that absolutely so 100 cargo wearing with the chain down here that was (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah. so tell us about the re-release like there's a lot of special things happening with this anniversary uh, re-release, can you, you can talk us through it? We've got booklets, we've got we've got everything. Yeah, yeah. There's vinyl, there's booklets, there's CDs. Remember those? Oh yeah, have yeah. one of those. Yeah, yeah. CDs. There's also a show happening at Festival Hall on the fourth of November that we'd Cannot like to uh, wait. that we'd like to alert the people to. There's um, it's sold out. I think <laughs> sold out. <laughs> but quick. you never know. Would yeah, you, do? you never oh, know. Oh right, please do another one. It'll be like the corner when you're oh, doing no, shows. Saying, right? I'm, not uh, saying, yeah. I'm not saying there'll be another show, but you never know. There might be a few could hear or there mm, okay. now and then you okay, never know. Okay. You well, never the, know. I mean, the thing is, we've never really been a band that's, other than the retrospective tour where we played each of our records, we've never really sat for too long and looked back. But with this one, it was such a special record yeah. that, that I, I think we thought we've got to do something. So... Um, the show is one thing, but yeah, the record, um, yeah, it comes with like a special kind of booklet and, and we really wanted to, if we were going to do, if we were going to acknowledge it, then we wanted to do something pretty special. So it's, yeah, yeah. it's an awesome kind of package yeah. that's been put together. I'm a big fan of like bands that do like box sets yeah, and of course. You know, special booklets and rare photos and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So if you like the band, I think, you know, I think, like I think you'll dig it. Well, you guys are talking about just after it's released, you're busy playing shows and a lot of things. So let's play a game. So this is called Memory Lane, and what we've done is we've gone through your gig history and we've plucked random ones out to see what you guys remember. So pretty much focusing on around the time that the album was out. Isn't that right, Chris? Why not? Let's Why go. not? So what we're going to do is we're going to cast your mind back to the Mighty Homebake Festival. Other Australian bands on that? Eskimo, Eskimo Joe, Spider-Man. Everyone's favourite. The... <laughs> 
Also on this was Screen Feeder, the Avalanches, uh, the Jebs Custard, Home Bake Festival, 1998, ring, ringing bells. That would have been December. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. So, 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 I remember. Yeah. I saw a photo from it the other day. It was an enormous crowd, and yep. Cha- Channel V were there filming on the side. It's I was the one like, in the Domain Gardens. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Any re- any memories from that show? I, I just I just remember thinking when I saw this photo the other day, it brought back those memories of I'm just glad that I'm not down there. Yeah, that I'm up here on stage because. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People used to go absolutely mental. I mean, we came from, not came from, but we played in that, you know, American sort of punk rock walk to a scene where it was just insanity out yeah, the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and the big shows here at that time were like that. We'd, we'd launch in a prisoner and you just, you had to almost take a step back. It was like, here we go. Yeah. Good luck, people. Good luck. <laughs> That's a segue that we're going to with a gig that Chris was at featuring... This would have been two months later, the big day out. So we had Hole, we had Corn. And uh, Fat Boy Slim, to name a few. Oh, yeah. Funk, soul, brother, check it out. Big day out, 1999. Any memories from those shows? Just being around heaps of famous people. Yeah, talk to yeah. me about that. Was it Marilyn walk- Manson as yeah. well? Yeah, walking around backstage and seeing all these people and, you know, as they say in the industry, rubbing shoulders with them and getting to meet some of them was just like, what the hell's going on, man? Yeah, yeah, But yeah, yeah Marilyn and, and Courtney, were they were kind of acting up a little bit, weren't they? You know, they were sort of just yeah, being a bit... some shenanigans. But yeah, it was a bit surreal. It was a bit like being in the Twilight Zone, seeing all these people from the telly and people from all the magazines yeah, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. stuff. And Chris was there getting crushed. That's, yeah, absolutely yeah. crushed. Like uh, you mentioned before, Chris, that like, I was 15 and we all fell over. Like there's no D barrier at this point for any fans. Uh, it's yeah. from the stage all the way back. And yep, you get the swirl on when you don't know what you're doing. You're a rookie at it. And you're just like, oh, I've fallen over again. Uh, get yourself up. Yeah, like, yeah. No one stands on you. Uh, that was all part of that afternoon. It was absolutely amazing. I'm glad that at least you know the shenanigans of, of Marilyn or someone like that where I'm wondering if they mingled or they just kept to themselves and whether you all, you know, got together and played a game of cricket or something no, no <laughs> what that. that's going on that's for sure what about yeah. just like doing the big day out at that time because like in it there was only like really one festival in australia the big day out and we had like every big band like yeah. you guys surely grew up like going to it and knowing what was it like getting the call going oh my god we're well on this thing. The, the first one i ever went to was when uh rancid played it i think okay which was maybe 95 96 or something yeah uh and yeah we we weren't on it at that point like we we couldn't get onto things like that we, that was our dream yeah of course so by the time we did that one which was yeah 99 in January or something the album had been out for three three months or yeah, something, yeah, three, yeah. four months and it was um, huge yeah. you know yeah. it was like main stage it's just just enormous it was really like okay we, we've arrived yeah you know? that's cool pretty and special. we became part of the family though like what was bizarre was doing it you know multiple times yeah. and, and getting down the track and just really feeling like part of the furniture there and it was a real it was just like a big travel family circus it was a wild trip yeah for those for those few weeks or however long it went for yeah and you know going to all the side shows during the week and you know seeing oh, all course. the seeing all the same crew there all the people that worked for the big day out this they were wild yeah it was and a family, lovely wasn't it? and it was really nice to be part of that family yeah hell yeah man should yeah. we go uh international let's go 2001 to leeds so we had leeds festival with green day Eminem, Queens, and uh, a little bit of Iggy to throw in there. So Leeds Festival 2001, any memories from that? Yeah, yeah. I do. I can remember standing on the side of the stage 
watching the strokes and it was during the day and they came out and they just launched into uh, the modern age, I think it was. Oh, yeah, track and, two. And I remember next to me was like Chrissy Hind. And I remember the Green Day guys were there. Um, and maybe Blondie, a few other people were all standing on the side. And the Strokes just came out and just, they were so good. And, yeah. the, and you know, they, they were adored in of England course, at that yeah, point. Yeah. Um, and I was just, it was another one of those, it just burns itself into your memory. I remember thinking, I'm very lucky to be standing here right now. And this is just a great moment for us too, to, to be yeah. able to play Reading and Leeds festivals, which we did a bunch of times. It was pretty special, but yeah, the Strokes were the it band. It was just really exciting. See Eminem. Didn't see Eminem, but Silverchair were on that one, weren't they? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. They played during the day as well. Yeah. And I remember seeing that and thinking that was pretty awesome. And also we played on the Steve Lamack stage, right? And we played just... Just before the Vandals, nice. So yeah, it's pretty hard to forget the Vandals. Yeah. Warren was up there in his in his just his shoes. Yeah, right. Really, really? Yep. Warren the guitar player. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, we spent a bit of time with the chair, didn't we? Because we were the only two Aussie sort of bands, and we just kind of you know bumped into each became, other a lot. Became buds. Yeah, yeah, of course, like you would. I, I talked about it in the intro, and I, I remember like even I, I've done traveling. Like I've been to Japan before, and I've been to like some pubs, and there's like living end posters there. I'd really like to touch on like you guys have like dedicated fan bases in like each country, like. I feel like you guys were doing that when not really a lot of other Australian bands were doing it. How did that kind of start? You know, you've kind of built up these really pocket, you know, these pockets of diehard fans all around the world, which is something pretty unique, I think. Ahead of its time, even. Just uh, just relentless touring, I suppose, at that point. And I guess Prisoner was getting played on MTV all over the world, I suppose, at that point. Probably more so than what we realised at the time. Yeah. You know, I think I realise more now that, oh, yeah, we were kind of well known in a lot of different places. But yeah. because we were just inside our, our own little bubble... We were lucky, too, to be invited to America to tour with Green Day and The Offspring and No Doubt and Blink-182 and to be offered to tour um, England with the Dropkick Murphys and to Germany with Die Totenhosen. Like, we've been been pretty lucky to be able to sort of, you know, not ride on the coattails, but be exposed to other bands' giant audiences. (laughs) Yeah, man. It's because we're cheap to take on the road. You're cheap to take (laughs) on the road. Three (laughs) pieces. Yeah, double bases are easy to take around, aren't they, Scott? Yeah, tell me about it. (laughs) Uh, We'll finish up with one more. Splendor on the Grass in 2003 we had Coldplay we're talking placebo before the music Veruca Salt Death in Vegas Ugly Duckings Splendor in the Grass you've done a few of those uh, memories Kanye was Kanye on that one no that was later that's a different one is yeah, it yeah I think that might be later 2003 would have still been in the tent the big tent okay I'm thinking of the one that was up north yep Splendor gotcha. in the Grass Another iconic Australian festival. Yeah. Do you have any memories? You're always having a really good time there. You probably don't remember. Was was it 2003? Maybe that was when I was living up there as well. Nice. Um, No, it wasn't. It was much later. Um, (laughs) Was that the one where we were the replacement band for Jane's Addiction? No, I don't reckon. Tell us about that one, though. No. They pulled out and we got the call. How long after (laughs) the... How long after the call? Yeah, we've been in that situation before. Like, Was it like a day turnaround or did you get a lot of notice? It was a week or something, I think. Okay, that's pretty or less than a week. It was pretty quick turnaround. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I, I remember playing that show because it was it was a good one. But because we did it in two thousand and five as well, I think when we were recording State of Emergency, a 
across the road. We had, to, right. we had to step oh. out of the studio and then go across the road, basically play this gig. That is so and cool. And we, we were just about to start, actually. It was like the night before or something. And I remember because Nick Launay was producing the record and nice. we'd been doing pre-production, but we were like, we really have to do a good show because if we have a terrible <laughs> show, we're going to go into the recording really bummed <laughs> yeah, ruined about it. messing up the gig. And I remember we had a blinder. We did Every time we did Splendor in that tent was good. And in 2003, when I remember I was wearing a red and black striped shirt, that's about all I got. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, one more, one more game. I know you guys got to head to soundcheck. You go. On Triple M's Homegrown with Matteo, it's time for... Uh-oh. It's my party again. So this is called Right Party Dinner. I did this with you and Jimmy Barnes. So I'm going to give you three acts. You've got to write a song with one of them. You've got to party with the next. Third, you take home to dinner. Now, these are all picked completely at random. Jules on the backing vocals out there. The three acts that you've got to pick between. We got the Beatles. Then we got... Oasis and... Right Party Dinner with the Beatles, Oasis... And the is it just me or is this completely obvious? It's really easy to line this up, I reckon. Go. It's up to you. It's your call. You're writing a song with the Beatles. Okay. I'm not. I'm not writing a song with the Beatles. There you come go. Come on. Because uh, every is... idea I come up with wouldn't be as good. Three. Well, there you go. It's called, it's called thieving then. <laughs> okay. So you're writing. Thieving a song from the Beatles. Writing with the Beatles. You're writing with, with, with yes, the dynamic duo and yep. the other excellent two. Yeah. <laughs> you're partying with Oasis. Yeah, okay. It's not, let's not delve into it, but you, but you just do. <laughs> yeah. And then dinner with the Eagles. Dinner with the Eagles. The Eagles definitely partied hard, though. Oh, I was going to say, I'm partying yeah. with the Eagles yeah, all yeah. day long. Are you man. doing this maybe in reverse? So who are you writing a song with, always? Uh, yes, yes. So yeah, I'm not in a song so with that because I want to know Noel's secret. You know, ah, he, He's one yes. of those guys that can just, he's like a, a photocopier. He just steals stuff just enough. <laughs> yeah, and from and the twist. Beatles. Yeah, just from the Beatles. Yeah, you're stealing <laughs> yeah. from the Beatles without stealing directly from the yeah. Beatles. And then... You know where the Beatles? Is that what's left? I can't even remember. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Hey, uh, guys, thanks, Why so, not? thanks so much for coming in. Congrats on the uh, anniversary. This album was so big. I remember when it came out, it, it just like it blew my mind. And the fact that it's getting celebrated is no surprise. So it should be. These recordings are unreal. Great to revisit. Congrats on everything. And uh, look forward to seeing it at Festival Hall. Thanks for having us. Thank you.